Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that somebody in the AT Parenting community wanted some help with. And I thought, well, if the community's wanting help with it, you guys are probably wanting help with it too. And it didn't get picked as a topic that I'm going to teach in the community. And so I thought I'll just make a podcast out of it and help many of you. So as the holidays are coming up, a lot of us are super excited. I love the holidays, but I also recognize that there are elements of the holidays that don't do well with my kids. There are funky foods. There are gatherings, not in my house, but I know many of you have big gatherings and there are all these aspects and elements that you may not realize are kind of what's making the holidays hard, or you may realize it and you might be like, yeah, I get it, Natasha, but I don't know what to do about it. So we're going to dive into that and talk all about how to make your holidays actually fun and not torture. Wouldn't that be nice? But first I always like to give you an update on what is going on in the AT parenting survival world. This week is Thanksgiving week for those of you that are in the United States. And we have this thing called Black Friday. If any of you are not from America, you don't know about this phenomenon, which has kind of taken over Christmas and Thanksgiving. But uh, I love Black Friday because we actually save uh, all of our energy and time and we buy all of our Christmas gifts in that one day kind of insane. So I take off from work and my husband and I, we do it all online because we're crazy that way. And I don't people well. And so going into a crazy target or Walmart is not my thing, but love online. Amazon is my, I love Amazon and Walmart actually is pretty good online for black Friday too. But why am I talking about this? Well, because I love black Friday so much. I am going to be doing something to give 50% off everything in my online school, all my online classes, just kind of a crazy Black Friday thing. So if you're not on my newsletter list, if you're not getting my newsletter, you're not getting emails from me giving you like updates on, hey, this is the podcast I'm doing, or hey, this is what's going on, then you're not going to hear about it because I'm going to be emailing my list. So if you want to get on my list before Friday, it would be a good thing to do if you've been on the fence about taking one of my online classes, because people make huge strides with these classes and take the power back and stop waiting for help. And they help themselves and help their kids. So you can text 44222 and just type in all one word, AT newsletter, and you will get on my list so that when I send that email out on Friday, you can look for it, check your spam, because sometimes that's where I like to hide. And um, you can take advantage of that. It's going to be very short sale. So just want to give you that. I don't normally do Black Friday sales. It's not my thing. It seems a little cheesy. But this year, I'm like, why not? People might want it. So let's talk about the holidays. Speaking of Black Friday, Black Friday is not a holiday, but some people treat it like it is. <laughs> Maybe I'm guilty of that. So don't send me hate email. I can't stand it. Um, but I want to get into making your holidays as good as I possibly can for you by giving you some tips on how to help your kids. So there are a lot of things that happen to anxious kids 
around the holidays. Let's start off with the thing that is probably coming up sooner than later, and that is a big family gathering, or even any gathering for that matter. Thanksgiving is normally about a big meal, and normally it has to do with a big meal related to a whole bunch of relatives and friends coming over. So if you're planning on having a lot of people at your house, or you're planning on taking your child to your parents or your husband's parents or your mom's parent, I don't even know what I'm talking about, someone's parents, (laughs) that for some kids can be overwhelming. So we're going to go through the different aspects that can, then can possibly be an issue for an anxious kid or kid with OCD. And some of these may or may not be related to your child, but we're going to hit something that's going to be related to your child. I promise you. So stick with me. So when kids go to family functions, there's a lot of things that can happen. One, there's sensory overload. So even if your child doesn't have sensory processing issues and that's not on your radar, they're not going to see an occupational therapist, anxious kids and kids with OCD can get overwhelmed by a lot of people, a lot of activity. Um, For kids with OCD, there's a lot more triggers. So you got people running around um, that are unpredictable. And so They might be contaminating things, or they might be spurring on some intrusive thoughts. Um, There's a lot of possibilities around that. And for anxious kids in general, the chaos, the noise, the smells, um, not knowing these people really well, and even if they do know them well, it's just a lot of people at one time can be too much. So you want to view these things from your child's perspective. Because it's not just going to be Thanksgiving. Maybe you do a lot of family get-togethers or friend get-togethers throughout December. Maybe you do it a lot for Christmas, holiday parties. And a lot of times I think we look at it from a parental perspective and we think, one, some of us are kind of, we turn a blind eye. And so we're like, oh, the holidays, we love the holidays. And then every year we're kind of like, oh my gosh, why does it always feel so stressful? Why does it never go well? Instead of kind of really analyzing it and making changes, we forget, we get amnesia. It's like I got amnesia every time I had another baby. I'd forget like, oh, I'm going to be throwing up for nine months and it's going to be, it's going to end with a big bang (laughs) of pain. And then I like get amnesia and then I get pregnant again. I'm like, oh man, I'm back at the same spot I was before. Uh, It's kind of like that. So we want to, we want to be honest with ourselves and say, these are the things that never go well. And then now some parents, and this may not be you, but some parents then fixate and focus the blame or the burden on their child. And they say, your anxiety or OCD is holding us back. It's ruining the holidays. You know, this year you better be better. This year you better wear that dress that is really itchy. Or this year you better be politer to your aunt Doris. Or this year you better eat the food that you don't like because we're not going to put up with it. So some of you, or some of you might have partners who are like that. And you're thinking, gosh, I hope, I hope this year goes better. That's probably just as bad as the first one because you're not changing anything. So I want to encourage you and invite you to think about the third option, which is to really, really look at it from your child's perspective. And the more that we can put ourselves in someone else's shoes, the better we are at problem solving for them. And some of us have a gift in doing that where we can really like like I can completely put myself in someone else's shoes to the point where like I can see it a hundred percent from their perspective and I can see it from mine. And so I can see the, even the interaction and that's like my only superpower. (laughs) Thank God I have one because otherwise I wouldn't have a job, but 
you know, don't ask me about math. I don't ask me about physics or chemistry, but go ahead and ask me about how someone's feeling. And I'll tell you exactly how they're feeling. Now, other people might be really good at the things I just mentioned, or they might have more of an engineering mind and they, they are not as able to put themselves in someone else's shoes. And so some of you might struggle with this and some of you might intuitively already get it, but we want to think about it from our child's perspective. What, what are these things like for them? So when it comes to gatherings, it's not, we don't want to put the burden on our kids to adapt and that's not accommodating and that's not enabling and it's not coddling to be realistic and say, look, my kid doesn't eat this food and is not going to eat this food just because it's a holiday, right? I'm sorry. My child only eats chicken nuggets and pizza. You know, it has major anxiety around food. They're not going to change because it's Thanksgiving, but my family's not going to get it. They're going to be insulted. They're going to, you know, give me snide comments or remarks or judge, judging looks. And how am I going to put up with that? So that it's going to be different for each person. So you want to look at what are the issues that tend to pop up and then how can you circumvent them? So the first step is recognizing that this is not the time to have your child do something different. This isn't the time to work on things. The holidays are not a good time to work on things that you're not already working on. If you're working on something already, don't put it on pause because you want to continue making the progress that you're making, but don't pick something new because you want your child to wear a really scratchy shirt or you want your child to wear this like really tight uh, stockings because that is what everyone else is wearing. And you're going to pick the holidays for your child to do that. It's not going to work out. So you want to be realistic. So when it comes to Um, we'll talk about the chaos first. You want to give your child kind of an out so that if they get exhausted, they can go to a quiet room. So if you're at someone else's house and you know them pretty well, you might want to ask them, is there a place where let's just call the kid Johnny from now on, just so that we have a name. Is there a place where Johnny can go and sit and relax? Because sometimes he gets overwhelmed and it would be really great if he had like a place in the corner where he could just, you know, put his headphones on and relax for a little while and then come back out. So if that's possible, that's really helpful. If it's at your house, you have more control and you can do that. Your child's not being rude. So sometimes we think, oh, well, he's being so rude. Like he needs to socialize. He can't hide in a corner. That's not cool. But we have to recognize that our kids can get overwhelmed. Their battery could be, you know, down to like 10%. And we can either give them a place where they can recharge or we can deal with the meltdown or the... Uh, overwhelm that will ensue. And so we're trying to be proactive, right? So I'm going to kind of move through these rather quickly because I want to get to as many little tips as I can. So I would do that. Um, I think it's perfectly okay to bring headphones or an iPad or a phone or something that can reset your child, even a Game Boy or um, a DS. I think a Game Boy, I think I'm like dating myself. Do they have Game Boys anymore? DS. Uh, that's not, that's not having your child permanently plugged in. If that is something that will recharge their battery and they can do it for like 15 minutes and then come back out to the crowd, that's kind of like a grounding thing. Uh, I know some people might disagree, but if that's what your child does at home and you just don't want them to do it at a party because you're embarrassed, then you're kind of robbing them of, of their natural way of resetting. So 
you don't want them like isolating permanently. That's not cool. That's not the point, but you do want to give them these things that help them recharge. And the way to recharge is really to disconnect from everybody for a little while and then come back in. If your child is a picky eater, bring your own food. Don't assume that they're going to eat that food. Or if you're bringing something because you're a nice person and that's what nice people do. Um, I don't, but I don't really go anywhere. So then make something that your child will eat or make a rendition of it or bring two things that your child will eat, but it's for everybody as well. So there are some ways to get around that. Be prepared for what other people are going to say. So I am kind of spit firing these tips because I want to get through as many as I can, but so they're going to seem kind of tangential, like, wait a minute, what is she talking about now? (laughs) But you want to not be shocked or surprised if, if people are going to make comments about your child and their anxiety or OCD, because nobody understands it the way that you do. Nobody experiences it the way that you do. And people are going to make comments. They might judge your parenting. Oh, he's not eating this. Well, when you were little, I always made you eat everything, but you know, parents these days, right? Or, Oh, where was he? I, I, he went away for a few, a few minutes. Uh, you know, he was listening to his music. Well, okay. Does he not like his cousins? Uh, you might get comments and I'm just giving you an example. These are going to be so different for each one of you, but I always say mentally prepare, expect them. If you get them and you know, they're coming, expect them and put your ego at the door and just say, these people don't get my child. They don't get my situation. And even though they might be my mom or my sister or my dad, or, you know, my husband's family, it is what it is. You know, your child, the best, just get in there do the holidays and get out and you don't have to save the world and explain everything to anyone who's not going to get it right. If someone genuinely doesn't understand, then you can take the time if you feel like it, but it's not your responsibility. Another thing I see a lot during the holidays is that people over plan. I have been in the past completely guilty of this. I wanted to sign up for anything and everything that said Christmas in it. (laughs) I did the same thing for Halloween. We probably went to like literally any pumpkin farm within a two hour vicinity of where we live every year because I love Halloween and I love Christmas. So I would do the same thing for Christmas. Oh, there's a Christmas festival. We're going to go to that. Oh, there's another festival. We're going to go to that. Oh, there's a Christmas evening cookies with Santa. We're going to go to that. And what I was finding early on in my parenting is that my kids were getting maxed out. They were being overscheduled. They were getting overwhelmed. My kids are not, um, they don't thrive in crowds. They get tired. They get exhausted. Even my youngest, who's, I would say my most outgoing kid and who really recharges around people. Even she would get a little bit too overwhelmed and too overstimulated. So cut it back a little bit, pick only a few. I know that kills me because I would like to do it all. Even though I get overwhelmed and eventually I get burnout, I still like the idea of it because it's only once a year, but I have to put my kids, um, needs first, especially when it comes to this. And so it wouldn't be good for me to drag them everywhere. We'll wind up fighting. I'll wind up frustrated. I'll think they're not grateful and it will spiral down from there. So instead you know, I, I presented them a couple of ideas. Hey, we can do this or we can do this or we can do this. What do you guys like to do? What would you like to do? And we decide as a family. So like this year, we normally do this one thing where we go up to Flagstaff. Um, that's in Arizona for those of you that don't know. And we go to like this Santa world place. And this year I was like, do you guys want to do that? And all three of them said, no, they just want to go up and see the snow. Cause we live in the desert, 
but they didn't want that structured, crowded activity. So we're not going to do that. Even though my husband and I like it, we're not going to do it because it's for the kids. So you want to think about your, the holidays and, and what aspects tend to overwhelm your kids. So, so as we talked about, there is the chaos, there is the over scheduling, there's the food, there's the, um, well-intentioned and not always well-intentioned friends and family, and there's the clothes. So a lot of times we have to get them dressed up for these parties. We have to get them dressed up for church. Depends on what you're doing in your world and in your life. And we don't want to be embarrassed. So you might have kids who have OCD and they, you know, a lot of their clothes are contaminated or they can only wear certain clothes for good luck or for magical thinking. You might have a child with sensory issues who can't handle um, scratchy clothes or collars or dress shoes. And my best advice for you is to search as best as you can for clothes that look and can pass as quasi fancy, but won't kill your child's skin because forcing them to get into a dress or a scratchy shirt is going to have some ripple effects because they're going to lose it halfway through the day and it's going to impact their mood and their anxiety and they're going to have meltdowns or they're going to have overwhelm and they're going to be nasty and they're going to want to leave. And then you're going to be upset. And it's all because that it started with a shirt, right? So, uh, girls are a little bit easier in this realm. Um, you can find like black cotton pants that can pass for somewhat dressy, um, or cotton dress. I know my daughter, when she was four, had to go to a wedding and, at that point, she was, her sensory processing was so bad that, um, she really lived in like, she lived in like, um, cotton pants and Crocs were like pretty much her only clothes. And I had a dress made for her. I found like a a cheap dressmaker and I got this like really soft material that looked really fancy, but it was really soft. And I just had her make it for me. And it was like $50, maybe even less. And she survived the wedding. The wedding was like, you know, a very long day. So you don't have to get people to make you clothes for Christmas. That's probably pretty extreme, but just search for something that would pass. Uh, even black Crocs, um, you know, they're not going to stick out. They're not dressy, but they're not going to like be noticed as much as maybe, um, flip-flops. Um, my daughter was living in flip-flops for a while. So it's finding like the least noticeable, comfortable clothes. And I know that may not be possible. I get it but I would look and you just want to try to have them not wear as many uncomfortable things as possible. Another thing I would recommend is, um, if you don't already, I already have this going on, but if you don't already have a calendar up where your child can see it. So many of us have digital, um, or online calendars, you know, we're all on Google calendar. And so our kids don't know what's going on. We're in the olden days. Back in the day, we would have like these big desk calendars that our parents would have. And uh, my mom didn't because I lived in a chaotic world. But I'm sure other parents probably had these big desk calendars where their kids knew what was happening in their life and in their world. And some of you might have some on your refrigerator or in your kitchen, but a lot of you probably don't. And I do because, you know, I'm a recovering anxious child. And so I like to know what's happening in my world. And my kids like it too. So I would recommend, even if you're just going to do it for December, put up a calendar and that way your child can see, oh, school Christmas party is happening on Wednesday. 
Oh, we have Christmas break for the next two weeks. Oh, um, this is when Christmas is. Oh, this is the day after Christmas. Like those visuals, even for an older child, can really anchor them and help them in the kind of the chaos and the quicker lifestyle that happens or tends to happen in December. So I would definitely recommend that. The other thing I want to talk about, which is completely different topic than what I was just saying, is a lot of times our anxious kids can seem um, like they're not grateful because we have this fantastic Christmas and then the next day you might get kids who are kind of like grumpy, in a bad mood. I have nothing to do or I have nothing to play with. And you're like, are you kidding me? We just spent a fortune making Christmas fun for you. We've just done all these things. And now that Christmas is over, you're complaining. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> Maybe some of you haven't. I, that was kind of a constant thing at my house where I was just like, I was just couldn't believe that my kids were being so unappreciative. But then what I realized when I really took my ego and me out of the equation is that they were, they were doing that because there's a big drop from excitement, you know, like, woohoo, it's Christmas, all these fun activities to nothing. And there was this desert oasis. Well, really not an oasis, this barren land between Christmas and when they go back to school. So like right after Christmas, all the way up to like the beginning of January, um, like mid January or like the first week of January, there was nothing going on at my house and my kids were getting very antsy and, and had a big drop of all this excitement. And now all the lights are going away. All the decorations are going away. And I like to celebrate big. We don't have any family out here. So we don't celebrate big with people, which I really like that it's not, but I like to decorate. I like to, we have a lot of family traditions in our immediate family. So, um, I go all out and then there's nothing. So instead of blaming my kids and wanting them to be more appreciative, I've done a couple of things over the years that have become kind of our tradition that I want to share with you. So one thing I do is I hide a few gifts and I hold them back. So after Christmas, normally this is what I guess the British people would call boxing day. That sounded, that sounded Australian (laughs) to work on my accents. Um, I will hide, we'll have a scavenger hunt. And so I normally have one, um, one present for each child that I held back from Christmas. And then I will get sticky notes and I'll do a scavenger hunt for each one of them. And normally I have them sit down and then, um, they take turns because my kids don't play well. And if they find each other's present, they'll like scream, I found your present. And then they ruin the entire scavenger hunt. So I'll write little riddles. So like, I'll put like a little sticky note. Um, they start with one that I hand them and then there's like, they can find them through the clues, you know, you'll find me in here. I keep the, I keep your clothes nice and clean. I'm warm and dry. Um, and I don't know, I'm not a good rhymer. (laughs) They they don't normally rhyme, but then they'd go into the dryer and then, then there'd be a clue in the dryer and then they would go from there. So, uh, that, that tends to be something they look forward to. Normally they forget that I do that. And so they're kind of like in that mode of, Oh man, Christmas is over. And I'm like, or is it? And then I'll be like, you want to do a Christmas scavenger hunt? They're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so that's something exciting to do. So another thing I like to do once the holidays are over is 
plan something. So during that barren time when they are off of school and they have nothing to do, I'll normally plan something. So we'll plan an outing. We'll plan something unique. A lot of times we'll go to this thing called festival of lights because it's, it runs all the way, I think until the end of January and it still feels kind of Christmassy, but it's not, it's not, um, about Christmas. And so it's kind of become a new tradition that we do that so that we have something fun to look forward to that feels kind of seasonal, but is, is not Christmas. It's a nice little segue. And we started to also do some new year's traditions so that there's something else to look forward to. So planning something, and it could be anything simple. I'm talking about, you know, things that cost money, but it could be that you take some really cool hikes. It could be something that you play in the snow. Um, you just want to create some structure to the days after Christmas because there is this natural drop, you know, all the endorphins are pumping and you're so excited and then all the gifts are open and then nothing. And so we can, we can kind of manufacture that excitement so that it's not like jumping off a cliff and that it's a little bit, uh, more of a slope if you know what I mean. And it's not about our kids being entitled or bratty that they need this help coming down from the excitement of Christmas. They're just kids and kids with anxiety and OCD feel things on a deeper level. And so they feel the difference. They feel the difference between Christmas and non-Christmas or a holiday and a non-holiday, whatever you celebrate. So we can help them by, by making something exciting after Christmas. So I hope that gives you some ideas. I know just I just kind of like spitfire them at you like one after another, but I'm hoping that one thing I said, at least from the, the group of things I just said to you resonate and you had kind of an aha, like, okay, I could do that. That makes sense. I should do that. So I hope you had some takeaways. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you can hit a star on iTunes or Google play or Stitcher or wherever you consume your podcast. I greatly appreciate that. That helps other parents know that there's some value in the show. And if you feel like sticking around for 10 extra seconds in there and leaving a review, I greatly appreciate that as well. And to show my gratitude, I like to end my show reading one of them. So Um Safian said, a light in the tunnel. I'm so excited about finding your podcast one so I can find new ways to help my son and to start my own ADHD support group. It's a breath of fresh air to know there are other moms who have anxiety and our kids have anxiety and OCD and how to cope with it all. Well, that's cool. I think it would be really good to create your own support group and I hope it goes well. We definitely need more resources for kids with all of these struggles. And if you have something nice to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.